Hello and welcome. This is The Boss Podcast and I am Kirk Bailey and once again I am here to bring you a brilliant boss talk from the archives. This week, Sarah Hatter talks humanising the web. The Business of Software podcast, sharing sessions from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. Find out more at businessofsoftware.org. Is your customer support leaving your paying customers feeling more exasperated than fulfilled? By tweaking the language that we use, by just using one different word, service versus support, for example, we set ourselves apart from horrible experiences. One of these things is relational, helpful, thoughtful, and the other is just transactional. Sarah Hatter is the founder of CoSupport and Elevate CX, and is a huge believer in CX being human and relatable, and loves using a good GIF. Check out the video at businessofsoftware.org slash talks to see the various and many GIFs she uses in this short talk. Happy listening. I did a whole presentation that's charts and graphs and percentages, and it's a lot of science and a lot of math, and it's about a year of research that we put into this great presentation. And I didn't bring that one. Uh, and said, I brought one that has a lot of animated GIFs in it and a lot of pictures. And it's mostly because I have a lot of fun doing what I do, which is consulting people on how to be better on the web and be better with their customers, to speak better, to write better, to tweet better, all that kind of stuff. So I figured it's exciting. Let's be excited about it. So the first slide is going to be a little bit of an introduction into how I approach customer support. You'll notice that I don't call it customer service. I call it customer support. Derek and I have had a, we've come to blows about this last night. It was very unpretty. We hate each other. He's suing me. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> the reason I don't call it customer service is because those words to me conjure up visually experiences that aren't fun, right? And I think about these people who typically run customer service departments of big enterprise software companies, or maybe Heathrow Airport, or some horrible place that you have to call. I think about this comic from The Oatmeal, entitled, Why I Would Rather Be Punched in the Testicles Than Call Customer Service. Uh, it's pretty popular, you should Google it. I think about this situation. I think about these horrible, horrible experiences that people have with those two words, customer service. <laughs> so by tweaking the language that we use, by just using one different word, service versus support, already we've set ourselves against, away from those horrible experiences, right? And we kind of step into this place where we realize that one of these things is relational and helpful and thoughtful, and the other one is just a transactional experience where I have a problem, you solve my problem, we walk away from each other. Transactional versus relational is the big theme about what we're gonna talk about today, because we want people to have relational support, care, help, whatever you wanna call it, as long as you're not calling it like, customer ninja or success loyalty or whatever, the cutesy names really bother me. Like, you never hear of anyone, like, you don't have, like, a cardiovascular surgeon isn't, like, a heart success ninja. Or there's, no, like, you never hear of someone being, like, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like a perpetrator defense guru. You just don't hear it. So there's no reason for cutesy names. 
that's I don't think I think it's a little bit different than calling it customer service versus customer support. Um, so what really got me thinking about this theme was this quote um, from Sidney J. Harris. The real danger is not that computers will begin to think like men, but men will begin to think like computers. I've been ruminating on that quote for the past couple of years because I see people um, approaching customer service as a profit center, as a sales lead, as an onboarding uh, situation, and not as a way to have great relationships with people who spend money on products that you build. That's really like the end of the day. It's not just that they spend money and you make money and you get a big company and you grow a big company and then you build the best peer in Sweden, although that's like the ideal situation. At the end of the day, these are still human beings that we want to have great relationships with. So if we think about the small tweak of customer service versus customer support, we're going to go into three other small tweaks that everyone can start using. Um, you can just choose one or you can choose all three. I would recommend maybe probably all three of them. But the number one thing that we're going to tweak today is saying no. Um, how many of you guys have heard this statement, say no by default? Does that ring any bells? Derek? <laughs> uh, say no by default. It, it, about maybe five or six years ago, this became a mantra for people building web apps. Uh, the implication is when people write you and say, I love your app, but I wish it did X, or I need it to do this, or it doesn't have this. The implication is that when customers say, I want this in your product, and please try to do this, and I would love it if you do this, you just say, no, sorry, and move on with it. Um, I don't like that, because I think that the implication beyond just uh, saying no is that you're saying, I don't really care about my customers. So what we do every single year with my company is we secret shop large uh, online retailers, uh, airlines, people like PayPal, Comcast, Apple, Amazon, all of these people, oh, a little bit over 100, and we send them the exact same email. We do it every January, and the email is essentially a pretty much a feature request from a new user. Do you have this? I would love to use it. And then we pull who writes us back, and it's maybe a third of those companies. So some of these are really big names that you don't expect them to write you back. Some of them are smaller names that don't write you back, and that's surprising, right? So here's what happens. We take all of those responses that we get, maybe about 35 or so, and we average out the responses to see how people are replying to customers on a regular, everyday sort of basis. And this is the email that we end up with. First of all, it starts with hello. How many of you guys start emails with hello? Hands, few of them. Okay, the, this enrages me when I see this. This is like the worst thing in the world that I could ever see in an email. Uh, second worst thing in the world I could ever see in an email. The reason I don't like this is because there's nothing personal about saying hello whatsoever. It's removed and it's static. I have a lot of LG appliances in my home and every time I turn them on they say hello. And it sounds like a little robot voice and I hear a little robot voice writing me an email. So the next part of this is the averaged out answer. Thank you for contacting our customer service team. Unfortunately, we have no plans to add new features to our product at this time. We appreciate your feedback and hope that you continue to enjoy using our product. Reply to this email if you have more questions or comments. Sincerely, that's another one. I don't know why people are using sincerely in customer support emails. Product team, in a continuing effort to provide our customers with the best possible product experience, we randomly select customers like you to participate in surveys. Your this is gross. I can't even look at it anymore. It's really like some of the worst stuff ever. If we go back to it, I started picking out all of the terrible things about it, and by the end, I just started crossing everything off. 
the reason is, is like these are not, this is not an email that I would write to my friend if they asked me, hey, that thing that you guys built is really cool, but what if it did this? I wouldn't write them back and say, no, we have no plans to add that, but take my survey about your customer experience. I hope you enjoy my product more. Like, that's just, you wouldn't do that. So instead, what we would say is something like, hi, Mark. We'd actually use the person's name, and we'd add an exclamation point, or we'd make it a little bit more friendly and informal so that people know that there's other people at the end of the line writing this email. We'd say, thanks for the great idea. It's one we've heard before. We're definitely going to consider it. It may not be something we're able to add right away, but since it seems like it'd be a great addition to the product, I'll make sure the right people have it on their list for later. And my name is down here with my actual help team, my title. No shuts down conversations. It's completely impersonal, it's formal, it's professional, it's unenthusiastic, it's completely disinterested. And to actually have the balls to ask me to take a survey about your product when you've written me an email like that is enraging to someone who's trying to get a great relational experience from a person who I'm spending money with, right? So when we come, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we can talk more about that when we, when we like finish up, but yeah, absolutely, There's a, that's a great point to that. Um, the, the big point of this is that you're deciding what message to send, and it's not necessarily the, the words that you're using, although those are important, but it's the tone that comes across to those words. So when we get into this idea of like, just like you, uh, you asked, saying no without saying no, it doesn't really matter if you're going to add the feature. There's no promises in that email that we sent. There's no promises that said there's no guarantee, but there is a guarantee that we listened to you, that we read your email. We read your email enough to know your first name and to give you our name and to tell you, we, hey, we have a relationship now, right? So using all of these other words makes it a much better interaction with the person who took the time out of their day to find your email address, to write you, to ask you a question. You have to remember, too, when it comes to feature requests, it's not just someone bugging you because they don't like your product. It's someone who actually wants to use your product more. And so they're trying to make it even better for them to use so they can use it more and probably tell more people about it. There's, there's nothing for us to get annoyed about in that scenario. So. Pictures, good, good on pictures. Okay, next one. This is the second tweak we're gonna make to our language, and this is a big one for me. <laughs> this is an apology, I guess, is the word we're gonna use for this, although it's really not, it's just a statement of fact. It's sort of like when you compliment people, like if I were to see Mark in his butterfly shirt, and if I were to say, I like your shirt. That's not a compliment. It sounds like a compliment, but all it's doing is stating a fact of my taste in shirts. If I were to say, you've got great taste in shirts, Mark, that's a compliment on Mark, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it may not be true all the time, but it is a compliment on Mark and not necessarily on me. So we're going to talk about apologizing in that, in that same kind of thought life. Is it an apology or is it a statement of fact? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk, we just talked about email. We're going to talk about Twitter now, which is gross in so many ways, but it's essential in customer support these days. You can't really avoid it. This is one of my favorite quotes in the world from my business partner. Twitter is a small claims court of customer support. 
Um, it is, you can't get away from it. People know that they can go to Twitter and complain and you have to do something about it because everyone's seeing it. It's a historical record. It's a historical record of your response to problems and it's a historical record of people's problems with you. So we're gonna go through, I know you guys got my book um, in your pack, little gift bags or whatever. This story is in one of those chapters in the book. It's about Richard Lawson, a comedian who had an issue with Time Warner Cable, terrible cable company in the US, and took to Twitter to vent about it. He wasn't actually seriously venting about it. He was just jokingly venting because he said, Thanks for <laughs> Time Warner Cable for, who, for who, whoever for completely failing to do a service I pay you 200 a month to do. Great doing business with you. This isn't necessarily a I hate you, I have a problem, fix it for me. It was a vent. But Time Warner Cable and all of their enterprise conglomerate uh, smarts came back with, I apologize for the DVR trouble. Can you please DM your account information and we can assist? Uh, probably a robot wrote that. Richard Lawson replied, DM you my account information, you have my name, find my account and give me a call, I pay you $2,400 a year. They wrote back, we would be happy to assist you resolve your issue. In order to do so, we would need some account information, please. He wrote back, again, does a robot run TW Cable's help? Is that the problem? If that's the case, I refuse to apologize to robots, my parents taught me better. <laughs> Time Warner Cable wrote, we are not robots, we are here to help. <laughs> and he's like, not robots, just incompetent humans. So I don't like this interaction either because there's this weird sense of like, Time Warner Cable thinks that they're doing what they should be doing. Someone complained about us on Twitter, we reply to them on Twitter. We needed information, we asked for the information. But they're not getting the nuance of human behavior in this social media structure, right? This person was frustrated, and the funniest part about this story was that he wasn't frustrated over something like, uh, I'm, my, your flight, my flight was canceled and I can't get to my daughter's wedding. He was frustrated because he's a TV critic and they didn't record American Idol for him. The problem with the responses started with this insincerity and this lack of humanity from this huge company, where if this was maybe a startup or a smaller company, they might have the know-how to be like, let's talk to this person like a real person and say, gosh, that sucks, I'm so sorry about that. So then we can tweak our language when we're talking about apologizing in any situation, email, Twitter, whatever you want, but mostly social media because these are public historical records we say things like, I'm so sorry this happened. I'll look into the issue and get back to you. I know this is a huge disruption for your day. I'm sorry you ran into this trouble. These are not, we apologize for the inconvenience. They might say the same thing, just like customer support and customer service may seem to be the same thing, but they're vastly different in the way that they're taken from the customer and the way that they're portrayed. So, any questions on that one? You're good? <laughs> Okay, next one. This is the last one we're gonna talk about. I know I'm blazing through these, but it is after lunch. Um, my favorite one in the whole wide world. So, thank you for your feedback. Has anyone heard me talk about this before? I know Mark has. I actually crossed off the word feedback from the bags <laughs> for their feedback forms. This is how those words make me feel when I read thank you for your feedback. Um, it literally puts me, if anyone says this to me ever, it puts me into such a rage. And I've talked to my therapist about this because I'm like, I, don't, I think I have anger <laughs> issues right now, right? 
So the reason I don't like this is because of the word feedback. Feedback is not someone taking the time to tell you how they feel about your product or your business. Feedback is the sound that my microphone was making. It's the sound that a guitar makes when it gets too close to a hot mic and everyone ducks and covers their ears. That's the visual image of what you're saying to customers when they take the time to write you, that their words to you make you duck and cover, right? So what can you say better? Thanks for telling me how you feel about this. Same sort of message, very, very different reception. So that's what these three things do, right? We're saying no in a different way, we're apologizing in a different way, and we're thanking people for taking the time in a very different way. The reason I don't like thank you for your feedback again, is because it's this old standard, just like we apologize for the inconvenience. I was, I've been in London for most of the summer and I hear it on the tube every hour. We apologize for the inconvenience. It's just like this robotic thing that they think sounds professional, but it doesn't. And the thing is, is you don't wanna just mimic this professional image that you've heard from other people or seen on websites. If you're building the next big, you know, I don't know, Tinder for dogs using Facebook messaging, and you know you're gonna make a million dollars and you're gonna sell it to whomever and whatever, you're gonna build a website, it's gonna be the best, slickest website, and you're gonna have a help button, and your help button is not gonna say, for help, send us a fax, and we'll reply to you by carrier pigeon. If you're not okay using old, outdated, irrelevant technology, why are you using old, outdated language? To talk to your customers, these people who are investing in what you're building. These people should really be treated like royalty, like VIPs, when they come through the door, when they take the time to talk to you. And using empty words like this doesn't tell your customer, we care about you, we're humans. It tells your customers, we're robots, this is automated, we're using a script, it's a template, we didn't even read your email, it's just an auto-reply. Using big, full words actually shocks people because they realize someone read what I just wrote to them. Someone's listening to me, someone is actually think thinking that they're gonna spend their time listening to what I have to say. And I know it's weird, I don't know how this is gonna be perceived by a strictly European or UK audience, but I always tell people, I know it's gonna be weird when you start writing this way because they're not your words, but your words are crap. And that's one of the bigger problems that we have. And you don't have to go overboard, you don't have to be cheerleader, you don't have to be like, uh, you know, this guy. <laughs> you have to kind of find a balance that works for you. <laughs> Right? You've got to find a balance that works for you, that sounds comfortable to you, but that gets you out of the rut of just thinking that customer support or customer service is this burden of complaints that you have to slog through. It's really not. If you flip it around and realize that, you know, we're all human beings here, a human being took the time to write me an email, I'm going to take the time to be human back to them, it'll really change everything about the way that your business is perceived from customers. So. Quick references, how do we start? This is it, you can pick one of these or you can pick all of them, you can pick one of those three tweaks to do, but starting now, I would just really, really encourage you guys to think about little tiny words that you're saying. Anytime inconvenience or unfortunately pops up, try to replace it with something else. This is another one of my very, very favorite quotes because I think it speaks to where we are 
right now. And the funniest thing about these quotes is both of them were like 60 years ago. We're still struggling with this weird thing with technology about how do we be human beings behind the robots, right? How do we not let the robot zombie speak take over? I think it just has to come down to what our intentions are with people. So that's it. Quick, quick, quick talk. Lightning talk almost. Any questions? Any other questions? Yes? <laughs> Yeah. Um, what if you would get an email uh, from somebody who doesn't, uh, who just completely misconfigured their email client, and you just don't have their name? Oh, so um, I would say hi there. Not yeah. Something. In the U.S., what we typically do, we we would say hi there, like hi there, hiya, whatever, um, cheers, mate, whatever. I don't know what the equivalent would be, uh, but it would be something other than a, a formal introduction, some other thing. Um, you don't, if you don't know their name and you can't figure out their name or there's some, it's got some weird email address, I would just try to still substitute that with something light and fun and informal. Good. Yes. Oh, are we waiting for microphones? I'm sorry, you guys. Um, hi, Anna from Redgate Ventures. Um, I was wondering how this um, works in an international context where you don't know how it's going to be taken by the person on the other end, if it might seem really rude to yeah. introduce them by their first name. Well, it's funny that you should say that because um, most, it, most of what we find in America, we're very casual in America, we're, we're extremely informal and very casual, and so something like, we apologize for the inconvenience, enrages us, like that's considered very rude. I would say, um, think about who your audience is, because your audience is always going to change. You're not always going to just have strictly Americans, strictly Europeans, strictly English people, you're not, you're not going to just have that. I would say figure out a way to uh, know your audience in that context and tweak it so that you're not going completely overboard. Remember, this is the big thing right here, is that there's, there's balance to this. How come they're not moving? There they go. There's balance to this, right? So if you know that this specific culture that you're writing to is going to be offended if you use their first name, don't use their first name. But you can still say hi, right? Yeah. Yeah, that digs into a, a bigger bit of consulting because you should know demographics on every single incoming email. Uh, you should be using an email client that shows you their demographics or has a user case string at the bottom of the email. So that, you know, you, you, know, you can hire co-support. We can look into that for you. But <laughs> I would say that gets back to using outdated technology that's not helping you know your customers better. Right? Over here, yes? Sure, it's a follow-up on just on that. So the, the question is how far is too far? And yeah. so we, what we see here is that we insert words that are more personal, and, and, uh, and here, you got it. So is OMG, LOL, all these things is too far, I guess. So how do we strike a balance between a communication that you have right. and a communication that's too formal? Start with one thing. Start with one thing that um, tweaks it just a little bit. So that's what I was saying before, like you can pick all three, you can pick one of these things, you can pick one of these words, or you can pick one of these words, but just try one thing and go from there. It, it will be shocking to you and your culture if you just replace everything you're saying with all these other things, because it's not gonna sound sincere. But if you're worried about overdoing it or not knowing a culture or not knowing who your audience is, start with one thing. What you'll really see very quickly if you're in communication with customers often is they'll come back and mimic that tone to you. So you can uh, very easily read an email from someone and know where they're coming from 
and bring it back and make it a little bit more casual, they'll mimic it back and be even more casual for you. So you don't have to include GIFs and links and funny pictures in, in every email that you send, but start with one thing. Yes, yes. Hi. Hi, I'm Bridget from You Can Book Me. Um, I just wanted to get your views on, so far you've been talking about email communication. What about the, the new um, uh, uh, desire to do things like online chat and having online yep. helpers? Like, what do you think about that? I think, uh, should you use them or what, you sh what should you say with them? Well, partly because at the minute that you have it, you, it totally inform, you, know, you, know, you have an informal interaction with people. Right. So, but, but also, do you think that you actually get better outcomes for customers if you're using online chat? I do. So we, we also ran a lot of analytics in my, in my very scientific presentation I didn't bring because it would be boring. We ran a lot of analytics on online chat and it, we found that um, over the course of a year with our customers who are large enterprise customers, um, they, you know, our customers are like the Googles and Facebooks or whatever, online chat, 82% of people who initiated online chat, the very first thing that they said was, are you a robot or something of that? Is this a person? Are you a robot? Something of that sort. That's 82% of people and it, it was, you know, hundreds of thousands of interactions on chat. So chat is a really great way. The problem with chat is that it's mostly outsourced. And if you're going to outsource it, you need to train those people to have a less, less formal, a little bit more normal English-speaking conversation. Um, if you're going to do it in-house, it's a great place to start with having really casual, informal interactions. Because people want to get off live chat as soon as possible. And it's m typically more web-savvy people. It's typically people who um, just want a quick answer from you. And they're not going to be offended if you say hi or cheers or whatever. So it's a great place to start. Like you were saying, like where do you start with this? If you do live chat, it's awful, uh, wonderful to experiment there. Um, but just keep in mind that because of the demographic of people using live chat, they're more apt to be frustrated by <coughs> professional formal communication. Does that answer your question? Yeah, okay. Okay. Oh. Uh, yeah, to regard, regarding your say no to your customer, so we don't say no, uh, we are on the enterprise market. So instead what we say is, it's future is com def definitely coming six months, eight months down the line. Wow, you do? I oh haven't finished gosh. it. No, I haven't <laughs> finished it. But we use it as a premium feature. If you want it now, you can pay for it. Wow. Okay, so what he was saying is instead of saying no, they actually reply to customers saying that it's coming six to eight months down the line. So they put almost a guarantee in there or they offer it as a premium feature to that person for a fee, <laughs> which I think is pretty bold. I, I, I would scare me to put a, date, a timeline on something like that because these are very open-ended and kind of vague. And all they do is tell people, we're listening to you, we hear you, you're there. But saying it's coming is... No, I think, yeah, it's, when I say not every feature, but most of the time when somebody is taking time to write to you, they know the product and sure, they know exactly sure. so you know, say, what's missing. Right, and right. that's something, a nice feature to add to your product anyway. So. Right. One over there. How many, more, how many more do we have? Right here? Yeah, hi. Chris. Hello. Chris from Eddie. <laughs> hi. Um, how much variation have you seen um, between the different contexts that people get in touch with you through? So do you see... Uh, difference in how um, casual, if you like, how, how human the communication is or how human they want it to be between, say, email and say, like Amazon's Mayday, like that, that video chat where you can see someone's yeah. face, that's obviously becoming a very personal communication. Yeah. Do you see any noticeable variation in terms of how 
human you should yes. be depending on the channel and depending on Absolutely. why they're getting in touch like if it's a billing thing maybe they want formality if it's something else maybe billing they thing they don't notice okay so let's say it's a billing email it's not necessarily formality that they're looking for it's competence and competence can be casual and it can it can be quick it doesn't have to be a dear sir we've looked into the transaction in question per your email data da 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 it can be sorry you had this trouble i looked in for it for you here's what i found bullet point bullet point bullet point right it's competence that people are looking for not necessarily this professionalism twitter social media instagram facebook whatever you want people want a quick reply from a very casual very human sounding person um, live chat pretty much the same thing i would say phone support is really different it's hard to say on phone support i'm not the biggest fan of phone support the reason is because people don't do it very well but um, phone support i guess my only tip would be speak english very clearly <laughs> <laughs> right. Next one. Sorry, there's so many. I'm just so here. sorry, you guys. Just, just here. I have the microphone. So okay. Yeah, you go. So okay. okay. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm Max Bautin from IQ Capital. Um, the question is, um, you were sort of uh, saying it has to be very personal, very direct, and at the same time, there's an implied lie in some of these replies. Right? No, so I, won't, I won't agree with that. Well, well okay, but the, but the point is that um, well, maybe you, should, you, you could go and to explain because you were saying, even if I have no intention whatsoever of actually ever introducing that uh, feature, right. I will still say thank you, we're definitely thinking about it, I'll make sure I get my team, blah, blah, blah. Nope, that's Be not what I said. Well, okay, <laughs> um, so the point is that how far do you, do you think that it's more important to also be trying to be truthful to the customer and actually say the truth? Or, you know, push it a little bit and say, well, it's very important and we're thinking about it and we will try to do it, but just not right now. Kind no, of so that's not actually what I said. It's a little, it's a little bit of different uh, interpretation of what I said. What we said was that we heard about this feature, we know people want to have this feature, we're going to look into it and keep it in mind, but we don't make any promises or guarantees. In the book that you got, the great thing about you guys having that book is that there's answers to that exact question in the book, and it's based on what's the scenario, right? If you know you're not going to add a product, or you know you're not going to add a feature, then your response to be should still be, thank you so much for sending this in, it's great to hear people's ideas. I don't think that we're going to be able to add this and here's why. This isn't something that's going to work for our app and here's why. We don't have any plans to add that at this time, but we know of this other app that has that functionality you should check out. Those are three options for that. None of this is templated and it's not just like they asked us, you say this. It should be honest and it should be truthful, but it doesn't have to be flat, no, go away. That's the big point of it, right? Next one. Hi, so you talked about replacing the um, words. So for example, for the tube trains, as opposed to yeah. saying, we apologize for the inconvenience cause, they could say something like, I'm so sorry, thanks for bearing with us. Yes. So for me, my concern would be that over time, users would just get accustomed to your new words. Yeah, and then you so change them again. <laughs> but do not worry that that's kind of a race that you're in. So no. So the, t the talk from yesterday by Derek was about actually changing your customer service to instead give them the refunds or stuff like that. Right. And for me, that has a much 
will be much better than just kind of tweaking the words ever so often. But you should always be tweaking your words. That's the thing. You should always be tweaking your language to keep up with the language that people are coming to you with. Remember, we're talking about tr this is this isn't like transactional where you make an announcement, I hear the announcement. This is relational. So I'm writing you a question, or you're writing help documentation, or you're doing a tutorial, or you're talking to me on Twitter. Your language should evolve all the time so that you're not cut and paste, cut and paste. Right? And the other thing I told you too is that when you get into this idea of replacing your words, people are shocked. They actually are shocked to hear these different words. So if you're sick of saying, I'm sorry, then say, I really apologize. But there's no reason to just keep it on a loop. Anything you keep on a loop is going to sound bad after a while, right? Next, last one, more, um, one more. Yeah, so what do you do uh, in the situation where somebody is uh, openly abusive in a public yeah. forum, regardless of whether they've got a valid point or not. Yeah, yeah. On Twitter or an email? Um, so I'm thinking specifically of support forums, but it could be Twitter oh, or anything. Oh, support forums? Yeah, so it's public, but you know. Support forums are weird because you have an opportunity to, if you can ban a person and shut them down. So let's talk about so. Twitter, right? Because okay. it's a little bit easier. You don't have a control of the medium. With Twitter, what we see is you make one attempt to very kindly, politely, humanly understand their problem and offer them a way to help it right there. See if you can cool them down. Because a lot of customer support is letting people vent. That's the, a, a big part of the job is understanding people are frustrated and you just, you're the one who's going to have to fix it, right? Let them vent, see if you can cool them down. If you can't cool them down, second phase is to try to take it offline. Say, why don't you email me or email them. To, like, remember this whole thing, Majigger, with the find my information? Do that. Try to take it offline so you can kind of diffuse it. If you still can't diffuse it, our, our standard is like on the third try after those attempt. We just let them know, like, we really want to help you, but we can't do it if you're going to be abusive to us. And I usually use that word. Um, you know, we, we'll still contact them <laughs> offline just to say we're going to try to do this thing, but shut it down as much as you can. The thing is, with Twitter especially, ranting and raving and crazy people like that make themselves look crazy. So you don't have to worry about them going crazy and affecting your brand if you've done what you can to help them and they're not, they're not reciprocating. So you can sort of let them burn themselves out after a while. Where am I going next? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. Do you want to do another one? I can do as many as you Mark wants me to do. Okay, let's go. Let's do another one. I'm so sorry. So this this might be interesting um, because I was looking at a support email that Keith from You Can Book Me sent me a few days ago, or actually this is <laughs> a few months ago. Um, and he I, sent I, it to you. He's your customer. He, no, I'm I'm the customer. You're the and, customer. And, and as you were speaking, I handed him my laptop to read his email that he'd sent to me. Um, and, and, and he said, he said I should read it to you. Okay, so <laughs> read it to me and let's see how you did. Um, so, all right. Wait, so you have to read your email. Yeah, yeah, I will. Okay. Um, so, so it's You Can Book Me, which is a, a service that allows you to, people to book appointments in your calendar. Oh, oh. Um, okay, that sounds so scary to me. It, so, yeah, so it's, 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 it's very convenient for me. I, okay. I, I quite like it, but then I had, I'd misconfigured it. And oh. a lot of people had gotten a message saying that the meeting was at the wrong time. Oh, so we were okay. missing meetings. So it was your shit. fault? It was my fault, but it, but it was a misconfiguration okay. that I didn't understand. So I forwarded this thread and I said, seems the person booking the appointment with me got a message with my time zone rather than his. Any way to fix that? And he said, hi, Salim. Sorry to hear you hit this problem. I think the issue comes from a mismatch on your You Can Book Me settings. Your booking profile is set to Europe London. And he goes on to explain what, what's happening. Of course, the system will still detect London users based, uh, will still detect London users and show them the 
uh, and adjust the times accordingly. Let me know if this doesn't completely fix it for you. Regards, Keith Harris. Other than regards, <laughs> that is a brilliant <laughs> email. <laughs> we know it's true. That's true. It's true. You know nothing, but that's a brilliant email. That's a really beautifully, beautifully written email. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Can I ask a follow-up? Because we have we, we deal with hundreds of uh, tickets every every month, and often it's things like this where people don't quite understand it, and we've been taking on board a lot of feedback yep. in the last two days of, you know, people feel like they've they, they've made a mistake or it's their fault or they're an idiot, and it, actually it's our fault for not explaining our software correctly or our settings are too complicated. Yep. But I really struggle when somebody when when so I always. I always answer a ticket to say, thank you for contacting us. I totally understand why you've got this issue. We really want to help you. We'll figure it out. Don't worry, all the rest of it. But the word that I always struggle with is problem. Because if they think they have a problem, or I I kind of don't want to call it a problem, or that it was a mistake, or it was a bug, because it it feels very negative. So I call it an issue. But then I always feel like there's a bit of a cop-out to say, thank you for contacting us about your issue. Because then it sounds like a personal health problem. Issue sounds mental health to me. So what, what, I don't like that what, word. what word can I use? Which is like trouble? there is something here that we can fix for you. Trouble. Which w- for your trouble. Trouble. But if I said thank you for your trouble, that sounds good. No, 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 no. Say you. You should not. If anyone's writing you a problem, you shouldn't be saying thanks for contacting us. Shouldn't just stop that because you're wasting time. What you should say is, Hey Betsy, I'm so sorry you're having this trouble. Let me see how I can help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. I, I, yeah, I agree because like yeah, I was on damage control mode at that point. Right. So at that, when I sent that, I wasn't terribly happy with you. Right. I did it, me too. But the other thing I will say too, and this is like, but, but that, yeah, <laughs> but that 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 does seem more empathetic. That it does is seem more empathetic, just, yeah. and it gets to the point. The other thing I would say too is, you guys, if you're having that that issues and you're having a hard time keeping up on other people misunderstanding how to use your tools, you're really um, not doing a good job of servicing them with the self-service options. You shouldn't be having issues like that where you anticipate people are going to write me about this problem because we get it every day. Spend 10 minutes to write a help documentation about it, and just won't deal with it anymore. Next, yes, hi. Hello. Uh, I work with product support in Redgate. A little bit more. So, oh yeah. uh, hello, my name is Anu and I work with product support at Redgate. Okay. So we have a couple of customers who pretty much call us twice or thrice in a week. So, you know, it's like sometimes even if they have very small problem. Yeah. And they just want us to do something about it. Yep. And how to politely say stop bothering yeah, me now? Yeah. You know, I used to work for this. I used to work for this software company, and I was the only person that did support for like like five million users. And um, I went crazy there. I had a total nervous breakdown. It was terrible. But one of the reasons I went crazy is because we had customers like that. We had this one guy. I still remember his name, Rich A. I did the math one time, and over a calendar year, he wrote me 2.5 emails per day for 365 days. And every single one of his emails ended with, please advise. The problem was we didn't have great documentation. We didn't have video tutorials, and we didn't have classes, online classes, and we didn't have any limits to what people who really weren't spending that much money could get from our team. So what we ended up doing was saying, especially with this guy, my trick with him was, 
seems like you have a lot of questions and I'd really love for us to do an intensive support situation for you. So how about every week, just write your questions on a notepad, send them all to me in one email, I'll get all through them, right? In the meantime, if you have a big crisis, let us know. But for all these little questions, let's put them all, let's condense them. There's no harm in doing that. Secondly, ramp up your self-service options as much as you can and start writing help articles and putting them in your emails because you start to farm people off that way. All of a sudden they realize, we, okay, we can get out of this medium. I don't have to bother this person, right? There are gonna be people that just wanna talk to you because you're there to talk to them. <laughs> and the problem with that is you setting your own limits on what you're, what you're gonna deal with, right? Which is hard to do. If people are writing you all the time because something's broken all the time and they need help all the time, then you need to work better on fixing your product and having better documentation. If it's them, you'll know when it's just them. Yeah, it's mostly them because... Yeah. Okay, so my trick with that is just e reply a lot slower each time. Slower? Yeah. Okay. Each time take m more and more time to reply. They'll get bored and find someone else to harass. Okay, any more? What, no? One more? No? Good? Okay, let's cut it. That's a lot. That's a lot of questions. So let's cut it there. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.